0: Amen. That is our prayer today. Thank you for that, is that we would let the word of God speak. I want to begin with a little participation from you all. I'm curious who your favorite superheroes are or who they used to be. Okay, so who were the Superman fans? Okay, put them down Batman, Wonder Woman, Yes. Okay, so who else? Just shout them out. Who are your superheroes that you love? Flash? Oh. What about, like, Captain America? Okay. So, I've decided that we can put them into two categories, those that wear tights and those that don't. <laughs> but really, really, as I was reflecting on the superheroes, I realized that there really are two categories of them, especially In modern day, and they're the ones who really embrace their super superhero ness, like Thor. I mean, he wears those tiny little shorts and 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 his long flowing hair, and he just embraces it. He's a god, right? I mean, he. And and then there's there's still like the Spider Man who's always trying to keep the mask on. And think about what that says to all of us, especially to young children, that you have to keep your true identity hidden. That if for some reason Clark Kent was to let Lois Lane know that he is Superman, somehow he would become less super. And what does that speak though to how we need to keep our true identities hidden? I think Jesus would say that that message that you're only released super if you can put this mask on, I think Jesus would say that's a lie. I think Jesus really wants us to live into the person that God created us to be. Jesus calls us to be authentic. We're continuing our look at who Jesus is using the Gospel of Mark, and I, I hope that this has given you an opportunity to kind of re enter and reframe who this person of Jesus is. In our text today, we're going to see that Jesus cannot stand it. When our outsides do not match our insides. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we do pray in the name of Jesus that your word would speak today. And as we approach this topic, which is raw, which is going to make us feel uncomfortable, as your word often does, God, that we would feel very safe in this community For we are surrounded by like-minded people. We are surrounded with people who are trying their best. And most of all, God, that we are here before your amazing arms of grace. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what makes a person authentic? What makes them inauthentic? What image do you think of when you think of a person who is really fake? Do you know how easy it is to be fake? So in my work with young adults, I learned about 10 or so years ago how easy it was to do this. And I don't know if you know this, folks in the room that don't have Instagram accounts, but there's this thing called Finstas. Fake Instagram. And you can literally create your own profile. And so I thought it would be fun this week to do that. And so I created a new profile for myself. I mean, totally new name, Sherelle Evergreen. Um New new hobbies, new, I was, I was, live, currently live in St. Paul, Minnesota, but was raised in Missoula, Montana. It was fascinating. And I was kind of creeped out how easy it was to just kind of create whoever it is that, that I wanted to be. It was amazing. Let's be honest, it's pretty easy to live inauthentically. One of the reasons that we like going to work or to school is that we can create a self that feels most safe, most confident, most attractive. We come um, in here on sunny mornings and we look our best. We try to make it seem like we have it together a little bit. We put on our happy face and when people ask us how we're doing, we respond easily with the Christian F word. Doing fine. Doing just fine. Smile on our face. Jesus was always real. Jesus never just put a smile on his face to make others happy. So when Jesus was angry, he turned over tables. When Jesus was upset, he cried. When Jesus was disappointed in someone, he told them. Can you even imagine? Jesus was authentic. Jesus desires so much for the self that we show others that we profess to be outside, that it would be actually matching who we are on the inside. So I think there's a couple of reasons why it's so easy to live inauthentically and for our outsides not to match our insides. First, human nature has us that we tend to focus more on other people's wrongdoings than on our own weaknesses. So look at this passage today. The Pharisees, they come from Jerusalem. And before our passage today, Jesus has been healing people. He's been teaching. He sent his disciples out to do the same. He's even walked on water. And as you can imagine, word has gotten out. And so the leaders from the church in Jerusalem are sending out some Pharisees and scribes to see who is this really. And frankly, they're probably a little concerned because this person's teaching something new. And listen to this, though. It's important to note what Mark, what detail he includes. He lets us know that they come from Jerusalem. It's only going to be a few weeks from this point that these same leaders are going to be the ones in the crowd that shout, crucify. This is who's coming out to check out Jesus. The first thing Mark tells us that they do is they arrive on the scene and they notice They notice that the disciples are eating with unclean hands. I never read the scripture, did I? Let's read the scripture. (laughs) Keeping it real. Okay. Listen. Listen. Even though I'm going to like tell you the scripture, we have to read it. Listen to the word of God. Thank you, Jack. When the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they gathered around Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So, The Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Jesus says to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines, He continues, still speaking to them, you abandon the commandment of God and you hold to human tradition. Jesus said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother and whoever speaks evil of father and mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells father or mother, whatever support you might have had for me is korban, which means an offering to God, you no longer permit doing anything for a father or mother, thus making void the word of God through your tradition that you have handed on. And you do many things like this. Then Jesus called the crowd again and he said to them, listen to me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Forgive me for getting that out of order. It is these men, the Pharisees, who have come from Jerusalem, curious, and they have come out to notice what people are doing wrong. This is the first thing that Mark tells us. And over and over in the Gospels, we see that this is what the Pharisees are up to. They arrive on a scene, and it's as if they are just there to point the finger, to see what are the others doing wrong. I remember countless times after volleyball games, my dad would say, how did it go? And I would begin to go into all the things my teammates had done wrong. I would say what the other team had done poorly, and even the coaching mistakes. And then he would say, well, how did you do? It's so easy to to quickly look out and point the finger at other people. And so it's hard to focus internally and, and really think about what is going on inside of me. The Pharisees arrive on the scene, and it must have been lunchtime. Because we're told that they see the disciples and others eating. And and the scripture says that they notice that some of Jesus' disciples are eating without having done the proper washing of their hands. How did they know this? Were their hands covered in mud? Maybe, but most likely the basins weren't there. That they they were eating, but there weren't these basins of water which they would have used to, to clean their hands before And so, without hesitation, they say, why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of those that are wiser, are older, and in the way that we see things should be done? Before we hear what Jesus says back to them, it's really important to know what it would have meant for Jesus to speak to the Pharisees, because speaking to the Pharisees in first century was speaking to the popular kids, We have very little firsthand information written about the first century, but we do have from this man named Josephus, this historian. And listen to what Josephus says about the Pharisees. He wrote this, mind you, 1,900 years ago. He says, the Pharisees are the most persuasive among the citizens, and all the sacrifice and prayer offered to God happens to be according to the way they interpret it. You see, the Pharisees were the ones that were dictating how people were supposed to act religiously, but how they were supposed to act socially. So one might call them kind of like the editors of People magazine of the first century, or like Chip and Joanna Gaines of the first century. They're the ones that told people how they were supposed to act. They literally made it their purpose to interpret the law for the masses. And this is the thing, the masses listened. They listened to what the Pharisees told them. So when Jesus speaks to the Pharisees, he is threatening the very cultural and social order of first century I I imagine they ask him, why are your guys not doing the way, doing things the way we think they should? And I imagine Jesus and this pregnant pause, and then he breathes deeply in through his nostrils. Isaiah prophesied rightly about you Hypocrites. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and you hold to human tradition. You see, a reason that it is so easy to be inauthentic is that we're all hypocrites You know, when people that are not believers or people that used to be believers or are done with the church, they say one of the reasons is because it's full of hypocrites, I just want to shout, oh, I know. Most of us actually do know and and kind of live into that. We get that we are all hypocrites. Guess what the Greek word for hypocrite means? An actor. An actor on a stage someone who gets up in front of others and with extreme skill and effort pretends to be somebody else and does it so well that the audience believes it to be true a couple weeks ago i went with my youngest son to see the westlake high school musical and i was awed first of all they have this screen at the back of the stage and there were images going I mean, it's just so amazing and so, one of the characters, by the way, it was called Once Upon a Mattress, and it is a spoof on Princess and the Pea. So, one of the main characters is this, this very, this very um, gregarious king. His name is King Sextimus, and, and he's, he's a little bit racy. And, and this is the thing about the king. The king was cursed, and so he's not able to talk, and it's a musical, he was brilliant, and, and if it, the whole time, he's able to sing almost, but without talking, and three-quarters of the way through the play, I remember thinking, I wonder if he really can't speak, and then I thought, oh my gosh, he's just done it. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. He portrayed his acting skills in such a way that I believed they were true, Y'all, this is the the real danger of acting, of our hypocrisy. We get so good at it. This is the person people know. This is the person that, that people actually affirm. We forget who we really are. We lose our authentic self and we live into whatever self will please others the most, that will get us the most attention. That will allow for us to receive the most praise, the most money, the most prestige. And mask, after mask, after mask, we put on and we forget who we really are. 21st century artist, Natalie Chaviv, she captured this in her piece called Hypocrite. Look here. I want you to notice the number of masks that are, are present The coins indicating the cost. The irony, of course, y'all, is that the person who holds the mask is strikingly beautiful. Rosy lips and cheeks, almond-shaped eyes, full, wavy, silky hair, an adorable dimple in his chin. And then there's the masks. White, no color, just expressions. Expressions. We all have this tendency to forget who we really are, and we slide on these masks of who others want us to be, and we put on a show. Another reason we tend to focus on the outside more is because we have been raised in a culture when we put on those masks, we measure our self-worth by it because others give us their opinion of it. Okay, y'all, so I'm wondering if you got a little bit confused in part of the scripture like I did. You can go ahead and take the image down, Jack. The Pharisees and the scribes, they arrive and they begin to attack Jesus. And so Jesus is confronted by their attack. And because he is absolutely brilliant, he puts the ball back in their court. And he says to them, you who holds so highly to traditions, if that's what this is about, what about one of the traditions that came from the Ten Commandments? Honor your father and mother. What about that? And then he calls them out. You see, what's happened to these Pharisees is that they have aging parents. They have parents that are older, and it's not like there was a welfare system to take care of the elderly. The system that that was used to take care of the elderly and the widow and the orphaned was community, was the community caring for one another. And what he is calling them out on is that they're taking their offering, which is called the korban. The korban is just how you say offering in Hebrew and they're taking the offering that's supposed to go into the temple on a weekly basis, they're robbing it from their parents. That offering that's supposed to be used to caring for their elderly parents, instead, they're giving it to this church. Because see, the more money that you were able to bring, higher status. The more money you were able to offer at the temple, the more power, the more influence And he's saying, if you really care about traditions, wouldn't you care about honoring your parents? What Jesus is calling out is that these people care more about what others think of them than about doing what has integrity and caring for the elderly. They're not authentic. Jesus was authentic. He didn't measure his worth by the opinion of others. In fact, He didn't consider it because he was always experiencing constant opposition from other people. He lived into his identity and he had this courage, this courage to ask why. Why do you do it that way? Why are you living that way? Brene Brown, who is a research professor at the University of Houston, go Cougs. She made it her goal to study this. She made it her goal to study what does it mean to be an authentic person, and this is what she writes. To be authentic, we must cultivate the courage to be imperfect, to be vulnerable. She says we have to believe we are fundamentally worthy of love and acceptance just as we are. She's learned that there is no better way to invite more grace, more gratitude, and more joy into our lives than by mindfully practicing authenticity. Jesus pushed back against doing things just because that's the way that they should be done. He pushed back against presenting ourselves in ways that we know will just be pleasing to others. Jesus uses this word with the Pharisees there. He says, you hold tightly to human tradition. And in Greek, the image is of holding something with clenched fists. I get this image of the Pharisees just holding that money that they wanted. I get the image of us just holding tightly those masks that make us feel so safe, as opposed to kind of releasing our hands, being willing to be open to offer, and and open to also to receive. One of the things I love about the way we do faith formation in the Presbyterian Church USA is because we allow students to ask why. In the confirmation process, there's a lot of asking why. Why do we believe that? And what does that mean? And, and y'all, I'm, I'm so excited next Sunday. Those students are going to stand before us and they are going to, to claim that they have asked why and they don't have all the answers, but they are committing to this faith. And I want to encourage you to be here to support them as they join as full members of this church. They go through this period of study and they discover for themselves the whys behind our beliefs, our creeds, and our traditions. And we want them to do that. We want each of us to examine, you know, why is it that we are doing certain things? Is it just another putting on of a mask? So I want you to reflect on this today and this week. In what environments and around what people am I focusing more on finding their faults than my own? Around what people am I the most not my true self? Who am I leaning on to give me my self-worth? Where am I just going through the motions of my faith? I want you to hear Jesus speak this over all of us. Honor me with your lips and your heart. May each of us have the courage today to be those imperfect, hypocritical, yet miraculously loved children of God. Amen.